Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome once again to Madam Perry Salon. I am Madam Perry, your host, your groove mistress, your spiritual advisor and cruise director. But you can call me Jennifer or Jan or uh, JP or J-Mod. That's all good with me. I'm just happy to have you. Happy to be back. You know, I've been off for a little bit, but I'm glad to be back. Um, so, a lot of stuff going on, happening recently, and by the way, you know, you can always check, Lots of most of the times when guests offer a discount or something to listeners, you know, they usually keep that going for a while, so if you have any questions, you can always check with me on the uh, Madam Perry Salon uh, page on Facebook or Twitter, just ask me, is someone so still, how can I get this or that, and that'll be good. Coming up soon, next week we have... Uh, Yoichi Yutebi, a Japanese filmmaker on the film Immortal Hero. That's going to be pretty cool. The week after that, author Mary Jane Capps. And, um, yeah, that's that's going to be uh, a fun night, too. So, um, and what's been happening before that? Well, let's see. We had Kit Lively from uh, Mad Magazine <laughs> and Kit's come back soon. I really enjoyed him. Oh, and speaking of comics, uh, we also, you know, we had Brandy Stillwell on a few months back. Brandy uh, works for, I believe it's DC and Warner. She has, uh, she had her, as a writer, she's done a lot of improv. And one character she created when she was doing improv in LA where she lives, um, people kept asking for this character over and over, you know, please do this again. So she at DC put out a comic book where she co-wrote or wrote it, um, and someone else illustrated it, on her character, Sasquatch Detective. And if you see the cover of the magazine, a lot of listeners already have it, and I've got a copy. Um, she says she told the artist that she wanted Sasquatch Detective to have a very artery. <laughs> and uh, so she does, and it's so good. But anyway, I think that uh, Sasquatch Detective is going to be... Um, um, could be animated very soon. I, yeah, that's the uh, that's the hints that I get from uh, DC. So well done, Brandy Stillwell. We look forward to the next thing you're going to do as well. So uh, tonight, um, I've got an author who has a dystopian novel. It's her debut novel, although she's been writing for years, and she has several other books in the works. But this was the first one that she's, I guess, slowed down from writing and um, working long enough to you know, go ahead and, and sign a publishing contract on. It's a dystopian novel, and yet it's got a very, very fresh take on it. One interviewer uh, that I listened to said, kept telling her, wait, wait, stop, you're writing my life. This is stuff that's going on. Uh, very, very real. It's a beautiful story, beautiful characters, and uh, the book is called Life in the Ashes. The author, Rachel Ann Cox, is here to join us and talk to 
to us about a book. Right? Rachel Ann Cox, welcome to Madam Perry's Salon. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Well, we're delighted to have you here. This is um, uh, the first time you've been here. I know the genie bottle seems like it's going to be a little bit tight, but it's very comfortable, and I hope you have a nice cushion to sit on. <laughs> yes, yes, the cushion is very comfortable. <laughs> All right, good, good. That that matters. It matters very much to me. So, um, so yeah, as I understand from uh, learning about your work, from listening to interviews, and you've um, uh, you've been writing for a while. And the thing is, you you're not really, and I guess this may be a trend, but uh, you're not really stuck into. It seems like one type of or one genre of book you've got like most of us multiple interests and your work seems to be going in that direction is that or not in that direction but I mean in several directions I think you've got a, a, a biography coming up soon and um right yeah um I've always <clears throat> sort of written in different genres I've always been really drawn to historical fiction for the most part, um, many of my short stories, though, were in, you know, just contemporary fiction. But this book just sort of came about organically on its own. And although it is futuristic, it is dystopian, and it takes place 40 years in the future, it still kind of has that that old world feel to it that I love about historical fiction. And so, yes, it's different genres, but there's still that binding tie of, of old things that I love. Well, now, I'm but, gonna yes, read I have just, been writing for a long time. Yeah, and uh, that's that's why I said it seems to me that, that you just managed somehow to slow down enough to sign a publishing contract, but you've got a lot more <laughs> coming up. So, so we hope yes. we do that again. All right, I'm going to give the real short, the one-sentence version, and then ask you to describe the book. The one sentence is, The Children of Revolutionaries, 40 Years in the Future, with Limited Supplies, and no electricity, are about to start a third revolution to take down the dictatorship that has taken charge of an America ruined by war and natural disasters. Now, that's just a quick one. So if you would just sort of uh, give us a little bit further description. Sure. Um, So, like it says, it's 40 years in the future, and there was a major disaster that happened according to this story in in our time period like right now around 2020 there's a major disaster that happens that that kicks off all of these revolutions and so the my story is 40 years in the future and it it's the the children of the revolutionaries that are gearing up to to fight again and so you see like three different generations of characters you have these the old ones as they're called and then you have you know, Sam is the main character, and he's he's around, you know, in his 30s. And then you've got these kids that kind of run around in the woods without any supervision. And so there's really three generations that you can see going through this time and, and the ways that, that these different generations handle things and handle the, the tragedies that they're living through on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's the thing when you talk about Sam, uh, the, the character Sam is in his 30s. And the book takes place 40 years in the future. So he's, that means he's someone that even though he's, you know, in his 30s, relatively young, he was born into this life and doesn't know any different. 
Exactly, exactly. He, he has no idea what it was like to have electricity or cars or the Internet or anything like that. But there are those people that are still alive that lived in our time that did have those things. And they try and and give what what knowledge they can to the younger ones and what knowledge will help them the most. Because really, they're all just trying to survive at this point. And so Sam comes home from being in this work camp for seven years he finds the girl that he's always been in love with and she's married someone else and so he has to try and pick his life up and start over and and come up with new goals and and new things to work for um after he comes back from the work camp and so that's that's where it kicks off cool now what you know um i guess a few years back dystopian novels became very popular what sets yours apart? What makes your book stand out? A Light from the Ashes. What makes it stand out from other dystopian novels? Well, part of it is that it's it's not YA. And I know a lot of dystopian novels are YA. So you think of things like The Hunger Games and stuff like that. So it is an adult novel, but also that um, <clears throat> a lot of, of dystopian novels take place far into the future. So maybe 100, 200, 300 years in the future. And this one's really, really close to our time period. But another thing that, that I think sets it apart is that the war and the fighting and all that is kind of more in the backdrop and the main focus are the characters and their relationships. And so, yes, they are all going through these terrible things, but, but it's really a character study of these, of these people. <laughs> Your yeah, and your book has a, has a you know it's got a different a fresh premise. But how did if you can if you can divulge this, what generated the idea for a light from the ashes and the and the the premise of the book? It's it's funny. I was just randomly thinking one day, as I do, I have random thoughts all the time. But I was thinking about the cloud, like the internet, and all the things that we sh- that we save onto the internet. We work in you know, all of these streaming services and we put our pictures up on Facebook and Instagram and then we've got everything just saved in the cloud, whereas we used to like save all of our documents to our hard drives and so much is happening in the cloud these days. And I started thinking like what would happen if one day the internet just broke and just went away because that that scared me, that I would suddenly not have my pictures anymore. I wouldn't have my music. I wouldn't have all of these things that I would want access to. And I thought, what would that be like if it just went away? And then that just exploded from there. And like, what would it be like not to have Google and not to be able to look things up at just at the the click of a button and all the stuff. And so it just kind of grew and snowballed from there. And then not long after I was having that thought, Sam just sort of showed up in my head, which is how my stories often happen. I'll just have one character show up and, and give me one scene and it just plays out like a movie in my head, and that's the first scene. And so it was Sam coming back from the work camp, and that, and then it just it just went from there. <laughs> that's uh, you know, it's very interesting that 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 was the the, the thought, the genesis of of the whole idea. What if the internet <laughs> and everything we've got saved on it? You're right. And I thought um, recently. Um, my husband and I have been watching this uh, TV series. I think it was made in the 80s probably called um, uh, Mr. Palfrey of Westminster about a a British 
uh, well, you know, he works for the Ministry of Defense. He's a spy, actually. And every time he asks a secretary, you know, get me the information on so-and-so and just comes up with a name. And then she comes back with a little pad and pencil. And every time I'm thinking, well, how could she get, you know, how? She doesn't have the Internet. How does she get stuff? How does she... <laughs> Yeah, and I'm thinking, where is this coming? Does, does the British government just keep something on everyone around the world? I mean, you know, how? How would they know? <laughs> and it, it just stumps me every time that she comes right back. And, yes, I know it's a, you know, it, it's a, it gives a limited amount of time for the TV show. But uh, still, I just can't imagine a world where you can't just, you know, look up somebody and, and know who they are, what they do, what kind of pictures they have. <laughs> Sure, absolutely. And I think about it like I used to, when I was a kid, I would get in, I watched old movies all the time as a kid. And I would be interested in an actor or somebody and I would just go to the library and get their their biography and, and read about them. And that's how I'd find out. And now we just hop on, you know, Google or Wikipedia or whatever and just look them up in like two seconds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess everything used to be in, in books and now it's all... It's all on the internet. <laughs> um, yeah, that's true. I, I would read a lot of biographies and things that, or historical books, and I would do that. If I, it was, um, I might play music from that amount, from that time era, or if it was about someone, like if it was Janis Joplin, I'd go to the library and get all her CDs and listen to them while I. But yeah, exactly. Now everything is, exactly. You don't have to leave home. You can stay. You know, just keep hanging out. Uh, Sam is such a special character, but do you have a a favorite character in the book? And if you do, why? Well, I do. I do have favorite characters. Um, Sophie and Jesse are two of the main female characters, and I, I feel like they're my favorites. They really, really grew on me. And they are my favorites because they have both lived through these horrible traumas in their lives of death and destruction and and losing people, and despite that, they have this incredible strength that has not hardened them. They're still they're still soft. They're still caring. They're, they still have the ability to love and be nurturing, and yet they are so strong to have lived through everything that they have. And so, with the, it's like this softness underneath their strength. And also, I think the children. There's a lot of kids in in the story as well, and they're they're just fun. I love the kids in the book. It's probably you know, because they were based on my nieces and nephews that I love them so much. <laughs> so that's uh, yeah. I think I think being a a good aunt, a favorite aunt, is is definitely a, a very high calling. Myself, just as you do, uh, I'm sure. So um, yeah, that's the other thing too. In the story, Light from the Ashes. Um, and by the way, if you've just if you just turned in. Um, I'm talking to author Rachel Ann Cox, author of A Light from the Ashes, her debut dystopian novel, or debut novel, but she's got a lot more stuff coming soon, folks. You might want to, you're going to want to get on this bandwagon fast. If you are listening live tonight, October 7th, and you've got a call or a question or a comment, you want to ask a question about the book, about writing, um, you can give us a call at 646-716-9922. That's 646 646- Seven one six nine nine two two four, and uh, Rachel, I don't know if you've been in this situation, but I know you know I have lots of people. Some listeners, uh, they might not be able to make a phone call. You know, maybe they're um, in a day job where they have to just uh, not appear to be on the phone or something, or they're in a place where they have to be real quiet for a while. But those sure. always text. Them. 
to me. Send me a message on Facebook, either through Jennifer Maudette Perry or through Madam Perry Salon. Just send me a message with your question or comment, and I'll happily share it with Rachel Cox right now. Um, and also, if you're listening for the first time on Blog Talk Radio and you uh, haven't been a follower, there is a, I think there's like a pink, a hot pink rectangle that says follow in white letters. And please, please go ahead and uh, click that follow button too, so that way you won't miss any of my fantastic guests. So, um, yeah, the children in the story. And some, um, and I'm not going to give anything away, even though I've read the book. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to squeal anything. You can always stop me if you need to. But th- I noticed that there's a lot of children that are seeming sort of um, wandering on their own, like the ones that uh, the first one that Sam finds, and he had broke off from another group of children. He was just kind of wandering and surviving with, actually. And it seems in this in this particular society, the way it's set up, Every child has to be, everybody has to be connected to somebody, and you can adopt a child legally, so that way they've got a parent. You just fill out some paperwork, right. and then you're responsible for them, and they have to have paper. Everybody has to have some paperwork identification for whatever they do. And yeah, I felt the same way every time with the children. I kept thinking, oh, I would just love to, you know, you just wanted to embrace them and love them, and they, and. uh Make each one feel safe, you know, or, or value each one's um, just a special personality and talents and quirks. Um, what kind of comments have you gotten from readers? I know, I know the book is fresh out. I mean, it's brand new, but from people who have interviewed you and people who have read so far, what kind of comments do you get from them about char- the characters? You know, a lot of people have talked about the character development and how um, it's kind of a slow burn where you get to know these characters slowly through the course of the book. Um, but but they they love them. Um, and um, my, some of my earlier readers were really, really attached to the children especially and to Sam. Um, and they, they commented that uh, – they're very realistic characters. They're very um, three-dimensional. You have, they all have flaws. You know, you don't have any characters, I think, that are just these shining, unflawed characters that, that are, personally, I think perfect characters are boring. Um, but you always want a character that's going to be realistic and that everyone is flawed. And so, so they all have something like that going for them. When, um, yeah, so true. I know that as I got drawn into the story, I mean, it's it's really, um, I, I like the way you give us a sense of the visual uh, on the stories. And I've got, let's see, I wanted to read a comment from somebody else, a friend of mine, actually, so I can't really give this up right now because uh, I know that she's <laughs> going to be writing a review, but... One thing she told me uh, is that when she started to read, she said, um, <laughs> let me see. Uh, you, you, you know, it's always a good idea just to be prepared, right? <laughs> uh, it says, Rachel's beginning is gripping. Her writing is descriptive and beautiful. 
and it pulls me in like a charm. And I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what she was telling me already. She just got through like the first couple of chapters, and she, I got to tell you this now, even before I do a review. And, uh, and yeah, I found myself feeling the same thing. You gave us good descriptions, and you start to draw us in. And then, you know, we get in this, we're learning people, we're learning things, we're seeing what their lives are like day to day and the challenges they face and the responsibilities because of the situation they're in. And then once the roller coaster starts, though, that's it. There's <laughs> <laughs> no going back. You lead us, you lead us, you lead us, you give us tension, you know, you give us tension and and uh, you give us, you know, some good things, bad things, and, all get, and then all of a sudden, bam, yes, yes it's... Um, <laughs> it's wild, and it's <laughs> wonderful. So, um, I know that you know you have you have a master's degree. I know that you're an English professor at a university, but I also want to know what writers do you admire? Because you know when you you know, always say, always hear that the best way to be a good writer is to read, read a lot. So, who are your favorite Absolutely. people? Who are your favorite? Writers? Um, I love. Ray Bradbury, especially in this genre, Ray Bradbury's dystopian and science fiction, there's, there's nothing compares to it. Fahrenheit 451, Dandelion Wine, all of those. I love Harper Lee. To Kill a Mockingbird is one of my favorite books ever, and I read it probably twice a year. Um, Louisa May Alcott, I, I, I think I learned how to do description from Louisa May Alcott, the author of the Anne of Green Gables books. I mean, sorry, the um, the Little Women books. And then um, Lucy Maud Montgomery of Anne of Green Gables, her descriptions as well. And I'm trying to think. Margaret Atwood is is edgy mm-hmm. and and can draw you into that dystopian world as well. Although she, she's dark, she's really dark. But I I love Margaret Atwood in the right mood. Um, so those are some of some of my favorites that I can think of off the top of my head. Maybe some Elizabeth Gaskell. You know, everybody talks about Jane Austen and how, you know, she, the beginning of the, the novel, you know, movement of, of women authors especially. But I'm here to say that Elizabeth Gaskell, the, the author of North and South, did it first and, in my opinion, did it better than Jane Austen. So that's just my personal opinion there. You know, interesting to read that because I want one thing, and it's been a long time since I've read, a long time since I've read to kill a mockingbird, but I remembered the um, this this phrase has always stayed with me. Harper Lee, when she would describe the women, and said, "Ladies bathe before noon, and after their three o'clock naps, oh, before noon, after the three o'clock naps, and by nightfall, were like soft tea cakes with frosting mm. of sweat and welcome." And I just thought that just that is yeah. such. And she's another one that just really draws you into the world, like makes you feel like you're part of it, like you're there in Makeham with Scout and with Jim and with Dill. Um, I, I love Harper Lee. I wish, I wish that she would have written more books and not just the one, but I guess maybe that's why it's so special to us because she just wrote the one. I think, yeah, we all, <laughs> we all wish she had given us more um, but it's just like that little treasure so uh, that we have to value and protect and keep it and, and just be glad we have that. Um, when you read someone else's books that you haven't read before, 
what draws you in or what do you look for or what what keeps you and what makes you have you ever just quit reading a book you just couldn't read it anymore and why you know I, I have and I won't mention what they were but there have been times where I I literally just had to put it down and in some occasions I literally threw it across the room <laughs> but I I look for initially I look for the language and so I love beautiful, elegant sentences and just that dripping, beautiful language that that visually pulls you in and that you can you can start to see the world, but also that you just want to savor. You want to go back and you want to read it again just to savor those words. Harper Lee does that. And so I look initially for the language. Then if their characters are moving and, and characters that I can emotionally connect with, there have been some authors where their writing was great technically, and they even had those elegant sentences. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, but I couldn't I couldn't connect to their characters, and so I have to be able to emotionally bond with at least one character in the book, or else I'll I'll put it down. And so really, it's more about the language and the characters, even more than the plot for me. Plot is secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um find that too and you know interesting the the way you put that because I have also found and I remember once hearing this years ago from a musician who was talking about the woman that produced um, his album and he said you know a couple of places where his saxophone had a little chirp or wasn't quite right and the producer said no 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 leave that in there you've got to leave that it makes it real and I've um, Mm. sometimes you and I think about how many times, you know, not only with books, but you might hear some music that may be just technically so perfect that you don't feel any soul. You don't feel any right. emotion with it. You know, whereas some, it doesn't matter, you know, if a voice doesn't hit something just right, but it makes you feel. Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah, so you can kind and of... Uh, I, I, like, I, that's, and that's the reason why I read. I read to to feel something. I read to get fired up about something, to get excited about the story. Um, and I like something that'll make me think too, that'll make me question my own beliefs and, and even think about things in a different way. So that's always nice. But but really it's about feeling with the characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, when, uh, <laughs> I like that. Um, actually, I'm going to stop just a moment. I've got a couple of messages to play. But uh, when we come back, um, could we talk you into reading something from A Light from the Ashes for us? Sure, I could read a little snippet. All right. Okay, so uh, don't don't stay away too long. I have got Rachel... Ann Cox, and she is going to be here in just a moment reading uh, something from her hot, fresh new book, A Light from the Ashes. The next game changer in the men's fashion industry might just be around the corner with the upcoming launch of Mace in Style, a new international gentleman's fashion boutique store that will offer comfortable and fashionable designer crafted clothing, accessories, jewelry, watches, as well as health and lifestyle essentials for men. Crafted by talented fashion artisans from various corners of the world, Mace in Style offers clothing and accessories for men of different shapes and sizes. From streetwear enthusiasts, the 
hip-hop street artist, the corporate powerhouse, the prepster, the jock, the rock star, the adventurer, to the all-American throwback, and many others in between. Mason's style is inspired by the latest trends in fashion, which will help any generation achieve their desired style and look. Visit the pre-launch site now at prelaunch.matesandstyle.com to be a part of this inspiring fashion innovation. prelaunch.matesandstyle.com So, Chuck, talk to us about Fisdale being the Knicks' new coach. What's your uh, thoughts on that? Well, well, I'll I tell you right now, Ernie, it don't matter who going to coach this team. They don't got no talent on they it. And I don't, I don't really feel I talk That's kind of harsh. I don't feel I talk about the Knicks right Do now. Do you want to talk about lunch? No. <laughs> what would you like to talk about, Chuck? See, Ernie, I've been listening to a podcast called Madame Perry Salon. And I think Jennifer Perry, she's a great host. I mean, she got all these bestseller authors, Rostar, Purdue, all the dip comedians. What about people we that could, don't have rings? Here we go again. I got Real funny, Chuck. Real funny. <laughs> but I think she's great, and I think people would love her show. She got a great laugh. She make the laugh come out of nowhere, like an eagle come in there and just steal the whole show. It's 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 a beautiful thing. It's not terrible. All right, this is Madam Perry, Jennifer Perry, back with author Rachel Ann Cox. Rachel, you're about to go. Uh, you're about to have your launch, your book launch, I think, in another week, and getting ready to go on tour. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. Uh, the launch is going to be uh, October 18th. We'll be launching it at Three Goats Gruff Bookstore in Brigham City, Utah, and uh, that'll be Friday the 18th. And then we'll, there will be upcoming signings and events um, coming up after that in the next few months as we get this thing going. Yeah, so these days people um – you know, a lot of time I see authors that have to. They start a tour, so because they still got to keep the day gig going. You know, you got to go a little yeah. tour here, get back to work, take a little tour further away, then maybe take a little long weekend. So uh, people can expect to see you between now and then in May. You're going to be at the the very prestigious uh, Jacob Javits Center in New York City. Tell us what that's for. Yeah, we're going to be going to the Book Expo uh, America, Book Expo America um, in New York City, and I will be a featured author there, and um, that's that's going to be really exciting. A lot of authors go to that event, and there's a lot of um, information about writing and, and books coming up, and so it's a, it's a good, good place to be, and a lot of Q&As and things. So if anybody wanted to go and ask authors those pressing questions that they always have, that's that's a good event to go to as well. And New York City, who can beat it, right? Oh, seriously. Seriously. <laughs> it's just excitement. <laughs> 24-7, something's going on. It's exciting. Absolutely. You know, I would have to be wealthy to live in New York because there's so much I want to see. Every show, every jazz club, everything going on. Everything. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a great place to be. And I've been to Book Expo about, I don't know, three or four times. It's so much fun. And if you listen, you know, you don't have to be an author to go. I mean, you can go, if, uh, but mostly it's, it's a lot of media people, retail, publishers, uh, publishers, publicists, authors, um, people, uh, 
from library associations. Um, I think I might have said a lot of media folks are there. Um, and then a lot of the authors that uh, have books coming out, no matter who they are, whether it's like, you know, Kevin Hart, Angelica Houston, uh, pe- you know, all kinds of people will be there uh, wanting to autograph their books and give them away to you. So, And I think now they also have a thing. I saw the last few times I was there, there's also a book blogger convention that's kind of separate it's part, it's, it's part of it but it's also a separate group where if you're a book blogger you might want to go check that out and they'll certainly you know they'll have meetings and fun things for you to do and give you a huge bag of books to take home and blog about so absolutely it's like book heaven um so that's going <laughs> to be sounds like my place to be for sure Seriously, oh yeah, it's uh yeah. I know the first time I went, I was like you know just a kid in Wonderland. So uh, if also folks, if you're listening now, since Rachel is you know like she said, she's starting next week in Utah at Three Goats Gruff, and uh, which that is in um, is that Brigham City? That's Brigham City. Brigham City, Utah. That's just a, it's just a little north of Salt Lake. All right, so just a charming little uh, bookshop with some um, different things, a little gift shop, books, and all kind of cool things, and I've seen the pictures. Um, very charming. And if you want Rachel in your town um, in America, you can always let her know. Send us a text. Just send me a message. I'll give it to her. Send it to her. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think she's ready. She's ready for the road. Now, yeah. <laughs> so a light from the ashes. Um Again, I'm so excited because now that I've read it, you know, I want everybody to read it. So uh, do you have something you could read to us now? Sure. I'll read a little piece of uh, from Chapter 1, so that, just so that we don't give too much away, but I'll, I'll read a little portion of Chapter 1. Okay. okay. The walking wind wandered into the stone night with a hardly a rustle after the earlier storm. Sam sat in front of the fire, flipping the fish he'd caught an hour before. He was only hours away from home, but had to stop for the night. The wet branches smoked more than he would have liked, but then he'd always liked the taste of smoked fish anyway. Sam heard the boy following him for the past few miles. The first time he'd heard the movement behind him, his heart had jumped into his chest, thinking a patrol was after him, or maybe that he'd be pulled back into working in the lumber camp. It wasn't unheard of for Corsairs to allow someone to hope for escape only to drag them back. But whoever it was seemed to stumble every few steps, not likely a Corsair. After a few miles, Sam had trudged up a rise in the land where he could glance back behind him unnoticed. A small boy, maybe ten, in ragged clothes with dark hair matted on his forehead. Sam had slowed his gait to let him keep up. He heard and saw him drinking from the creek where he had caught the fish. Sam wanted to help him, but figured the boy would speak to him when he was ready. He now looked down at the fish in the fire, just about done. The boy had still not made his presence known. There's plenty here for two, he called out, still staring into the fire. No answer. You must be hungry. We've walked quite a ways today. The boy stepped tentatively into the firelight. Come get some fish, boy. Pretty good, if I do say so myself. The boy held his hands out. Sam looked, took his own plate and handed it to him. Within a minute or two, the boy had polished off the fish, breathing quickly between bites as if he thought the food would disappear before him. What's your name? He continued to chew and breathe heavily, his eyes closed, enjoying every hurried bite. You have one? Ethan, he finally responded. Ethan, I'm Sam. Where are you from? 
Ethan looked puzzled. Well, where do you live? Around. Woods, mostly. Sometimes cabins. Any family? Hard to remember. Mom and Dad have been gone a long time. The Corsairs took them. I was maybe four or five, I think. It was a common enough story that Sam had heard too often. You must be at least ten now. Who's been taking care of you all this time? There were others like me. We traveled together for a while, but they started stealing things, not food. Fighting, using weapons on people. I tried to stop them. Then one morning I woke up and they were gone. Been on my own since. Well, when was that? Two weeks, three maybe. Well, come and sit down at least. You look worn out. Ethan hesitated. He wondered if he could trust this man who was so friendly with the border guards. Come on now, boy. You've nothing to fear from me. There was something behind Sam's green eyes, some kind of knowing and kindness that softened Ethan's defenses. His worn-out limbs forced him to soften the, the rest. Pretty tired, I guess. The boy sat on a large rock near the fire. You can share my camp tonight if you like. That is, if you promise not to steal from me. I don't steal things. The boy seemed offended by the comment. Oh, yeah, that's right, Sam chuckled. Well, come on now. Here's some bread to go with the fish. A few days old, but still good. Ethan practically inhaled that as well. You're a regular lost boy, aren't you? I'm not lost. Another bite. <laughs> I know where I am. No, it's from an old story, Sam explained. The lost boys lived in Neverland and followed around another boy named Peter Pan who could never grow up. They fought Captain Hook and the pirates. What pirates? What are pirates? Long ago, they roamed the seas, pillaging and stealing from any vessel they encountered. In the story of Peter Pan, he's the cause of Captain Hook losing his hand, and so the captain is always seeking vengeance. Ethan's eyes lit up with wonder and renewed energy from the nourishment as he listened to the pirate stories. If you're going to follow me, I guess that makes me Peter Pan, Sam smiled to himself. I kind of like that. That's, that's that. Yes, Sam. Sam is such a lovable character, I think, because as we meet him, he's just gotten out of seven years in a work camp that I think was supposed to be only two or three and ended up being seven. Right. And and Ethan's really the first kid that he's seen. And in those seven years, he's been surrounded by, you know, all of these other adults and, and the Corsair Army officers and things. And so I think it's kind of comforting for Sam to run into this kid in the woods. And uh, yeah, and so um, the fact that he's been all this time and been there longer than he meant, and all he wants to do is just get out and go get back to this to his girl that he's going to marry and he's been in love with for years, and yet it's like he's never given up hope, and you just love Sam so much, and then he still has the heart to, you know, bring in. He's not so hard from all his years that he can't, you know, bring this young fella Ethan, you know, into his his world and and take him with him and you just feel yeah you just can't help but love Sam you know and feel with him uh for all this yeah what is the do you do you plan to have a sequel to a light from the ashes you know i've thought about it a lot and i think if i wrote anything else to go along with it it would more than likely be a prequel cuz i kind of have an idea for a prequel in my head of because in this story, because it's 40 years in the future, you don't fully see the disaster as it happened and what led up to where they are. And so um, mm-hmm. I would most likely write the story of Zacharias and Jesse, the, the older characters that are from our time period. You know, an interesting thing is I know that you're, um, 
you're also a musician, and you've written songs and, and recorded some songs. I believe they're on SoundCloud now, aren't they? That that, that um, songs that I guess could be considered just like they accompany the book, and there are songs for different characters in the book. Right, and they kind of one of them, Jesse's theme, came about just or just as I was writing the book. It just sort of came out of me on the piano one day. The others were born out of necessity. And so I have several places in the book where um, the characters reference songs. Music is very important to them, and it's this emotional touchstone for several of the characters. However, the songs that I had originally planned to use, I came across some, some licensing issues. And so I had to make a decision of either changing the songs that I had chosen, which were real songs that were already written, or just writing my own songs. And so I said, well, what the heck? And so I just wrote two songs um, one weekend, and I I turned out some lyrics. And then I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to have lyrics, I have to know what the song sounds like. So I guess that means I have to actually write the music to it, too. And so I just wrote the music for them as well. And that's how that happened. It just never ends, does it? It's got to have this and that. It never it's like ends. it's like a, but it's it's been a gift, really, because I I get so focused on what I'm doing sometimes that I I miss out on other creative opportunities, and so I've been so hyper focused on the writing of the book and the the all the technical and editing things happening with it and all of that that I had I kind of let my music fall by the wayside for a little for a little bit, and so I was really grateful to have that chance to get back into it and to try my hand again at, at writing some songs so that was it's been a gift oh great and you was I right you do have some of these songs on SoundCloud yes there are three recordings on SoundCloud right now one is Jesse's theme which is just an instrumental piece one is um, called Somewhere in My Dreams, and I have two versions of that one on SoundCloud. I've got one that's the instrumental and one with my vocals on it with some of the lyrics that you'll see in the book. Okay, and so people can go to SoundCloud if they want and download them. and They can also so- go to my website. I, I have them on my website as well. Okay, and... Uh, the website address is rachelandcoxwriter.com, and that's R-H-A, excuse me, R-A-C-H-E-L-A-N-N-E-C-O-X-W-R-I-T-E-R.com. And, yes, I spelled writer because sometimes when I've given people an email address of mine that says something like, you know, J.P. the writer, I guess it's my southern accent. They always think I'm saying writer like a bike rider. <laughs> Just so you my accent doesn't throw anybody. Um, yes, yeah, so you can go there. And I'll also be sharing on all of my social media. I will share Rachel Ann Cox's um, website address, you know, website Earl, um, SoundCloud information, and all of her social media on mine. If you don't find it, you just let me know. And, of course, where to buy the book, A Light from the Ashes. I'll be sharing all of that on my social, all of my social media. And uh, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. So people can have, because uh, you've taken, you're also a wonderful, you're a magnificent photographer, actually. And you, you've you uh, taken photographs that you share that are inspirational or to you a representative. 
your characters are or where the story takes right. place. Right, and exactly. So I, as I was writing this book, I was um, walking every day in my favorite park, and it's, it's kind of in the woods, and it's around this pond, and it's very picturesque. And so um, I, was t- I was just naturally just taking photographs of things that I felt were pretty. And so as I started posting these, I was like, you know, this really feels like the world that they would be living in. It's, it's kind of overgrown in places. And, and so there were certain places in the park that were direct inspirations for, for things in the book and some of my descriptions and things. And so um, a lot of those photographs are on my website and on my Instagram. So people can go scroll through there and kind of get a feel for what the world looks like in my head. Fantastic. I, I just think that's wonderful because, yeah, you you not only create it with words, and you also provide us with the pictures, and you've been so generous also to share your music um, with us, and I think that's just fantastic. Um, Rachel Ann Cox, I wish you all the best of success with A Light from the Ashes. Can't wait to get to your next book. And, and of course, you'll be invited back here to Please tell us all about everything else you do. We are your uh, your next books, your next music, and everything that you're doing. Um, and we're just glad to have had you here tonight. Do you have any parting words for everyone besides buy the book? Sure. First, thank you so much for having me again. Um, and uh, parting words are that a lot of times dystopian fiction can be scary to jump into, or you may think, oh, it's really dark and and you know it's just depressing or this uh, this sad world that that we've created but the one thing that i want people to take away from this book is a sense of hope and um being able that knowing that we all have the ability to create the future that we want to create and so it's just a matter of making the choices and 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 creating the world that we want so i want to leave people with a sense of hope and so that that's all my parting words that i want to say about that but Thank you so much for having me, and I would love to be on again whenever whenever I can get the chance. It is an absolute pleasure, and you know... Mother Goose, 